episode of Sean and Ed's Do Baseball. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed. And we just discussed what episode number this was, and I think it's 25. It's 26. It's 26, everybody. It's 26. Uh, we got screwed up because we were no longer bi-weekly. Yeah, yeah. If you noticed last time uh, we had a little shorter episode, uh, we're definitely planning on doing a few more of those for uh, things and subjects and events that you know don't really take up a full uh to save our ass when we don't have time yeah yeah (laughs) easy ones we'll just call them easy ones um definitely gonna do a few more of those but uh these next two episodes are gonna be full length we're planning some fun stuff for november some world series episodes to coincide with the end of the world series because that how we work somehow yeah. um uh but uh make sure you follow us on twitter and instagram Edzie, at, where can they find us uh twitter at doing baseball and on instagram at doing dot baseball 100 percent. give yes. us a follow whatever interact with us find us on spotify and apple podcast yeah give us a review give us a what's the other one what a review or a Rating. Rating. There we go. I knew it was an R word. I was getting there. Uh, okay, so we have some fun, uh, exciting news. We have a guest today. Edzie. Yes, a returning guest. A returning guest uh, from Anaheim, California, coming to you. Uh, Bay Area expat, a fitness manager, a master of the jiu-jitsu white belts, a guitar virtuoso, podcast host, an all-around crispy dude, and of course, head of the Doing Baseball Committee that wishes to see Dale Murphy in the Hall of Fame. We have JP with us, everybody. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, JP? Welcome How back. Doing, buddy? Thank you. Thank you so much for that that intro that was huge man i feel yeah. big well, there's a lot of accolades there. you've acquired there buddy we, we we have more to say but uh first off first off uh are you aware that that it is thanksgiving today in in canada no it is it is thanksgiving monday for all of our american listeners out there there's monday uh is when we do our thanksgiving well it's just a long weekend for us i know you guys have your your thursday friday saturday sunday thing but uh yeah, it's uh, it's Thanksgiving uh, today in in Canada, and we're thankful you're here. So happy Thanksgiving, JP. <laughs> yeah, happy Canadian Thanksgiving. I, I'm thankful to be here, and I don't want to derail the podcast too much. But why why is thanks? What are you giving thanks for in October? The harvest. What, the harvest. It's cold up here. Our harvest comes earlier. I see. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got behind a lot of grain vehicles on the road this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm American, so I don't know what a grain vehicle is. I'm from Southern California. <laughs> well, it's a it's a truck that hauls the grains that are harvested off the fields, so they're slow moving. Okay, so it's like a bus. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. It's, yeah. a, it's we- a bus full of stuff. <laughs> All right, uh, let's keep. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> sad sad news in the baseball world. Uh, Joe Morgan passed away. Uh, that was, that was a sad, I, I had no idea how amazing his stats were, um, until like, he's, yeah, he was the just the greatest best, second baseman. Yeah. One of the best second basemen ever, if not the best. It was amazing. So sad news. Um, 
JP, uh, you are a uh, pod host, pod host, podcast host, uh, uh, the morning after with Big Joe. Um, absolutely. Where, where can people find you with that? Thank you. Yeah, uh, I host uh, the morning after with JP and Big Joe. You can find us on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash youngpopetv. Uh, yeah, we're on Facebook and, and uh, YouTube and all that stuff too. But Twitch is where we jam mostly. We do a live broadcast every Friday morning at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, yeah, and it's on, it's on Twitch. We're doing it live, uh, video style. Um, it's more of a broadcast than a podcast, I guess. And we, I don't know, we, we made it live just for the I don't know, spontaneity factor. I suppose, but we have a lot of fun, and I uh, hope to have you guys on one of these days. That would be sick. Yeah, that would be great. It, it is. It is a fun show. I mean, I like I say, with the time difference, I can't really catch it live at one o'clock here on a Friday afternoon. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to book guests. I've found because most people are at work on Fridays <laughs> in the middle of the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, but it, you know, for those that can uh, take a take a slice of their day and. Um, um, tune in. I really appreciate it. So lo- lo- once again, I'd love to have you both on. Oh, that would be. Um, I might. I might be able to days. squeeze you in there on a Friday afternoon, JP. I definitely, definitely mm. would love that. Uh, to segue into that, uh, so you you were uh, work from uh, home or generally do with uh, the Warrior Room. Uh, there's also new memberships and clothes available if you want to support uh, JP and your partner Lore. Uh, you guys run the Warrior Room together, right? That's right. Everything you just said is true. Fantastic. <laughs> right. Where can people yeah, find the I, warrior I, room? <laughs> home personal yeah, yeah, uh, the, virtual. What is it? Virtual fitness training. That's right. We do a boot camp style, uh, high intensity interval training workouts. Uh, all you need is zoom. Um, you can check us out at uh, the warrior room on Instagram. Um, yeah, I think you pretty much covered it. Uh, <laughs> Thank there you. There we go. Yeah, nice, nice uh, hoodies, by the way. I got a hoodie and a hat. Uh, nice. I dig it. Thank you, nice. JP. Thanks so, for merchandise that. now available. Or, so, oh, I should say. So if you haven't heard the podcast before, uh, unlike JP, uh, you will know this is uh, two friends sharing stories from baseball history uh, with one of us not knowing what the subject's going to be. So today, Edzy has a story for us. JP, I'm excited. Uh Edzie, you ready to take it away? Yeah, I am uh, actually super excited to tell this story. JP, I, I booked you to be on this episode, and as it, it was actually before I was finished writing this story, and actually it might even before I actually even came to the arrival of this subject, but as the subject progressed, it ended up being sort of serendipitous because a lot of the stones that I turned over and uncovered what was underneath them I think are going to tie together uh, the fandom of all three of us. So, oh, okay. Uh, if that kind excited. of this gives is you a bit of intrigue, like I say, we were before. Oh, do go on. <laughs> okay. Um, well, like I say, it took me a while to arrive at this, a long while to arrive at this subject, but uh, I ultimately stumbled upon it as I fell down the rabbit hole of my fascination with stadiums. All right. Okay. So what began as some minor reading into the history of Toronto's now-raised mistake by the lake that was Exhibition Stadium, my research uncovered that the renovations to make the old football stadium baseball-ready were for a different team than one might think, and how the reasons behind baseball's return to Toronto took shape inside the boardrooms 
of advertising departments for a brewing company. What? Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> what? <laughs> that whole spiel. That I was just spiel? like, oh, wow. Yeah. All right, we're in for it. Okay, so January 1939, Paul Godfrey was born in Toronto, Ontario, and grew up near the Kensington Market neighborhood in a working-class Jewish family. The family later moved to North York near Lawrence and Bathurst, for all the Toronto listeners that that's relevant to, but... Kensington Market's like the hip little, little, uh, you know, it's like the hate Nashbury kind of like, you know, cool, like hippie hangout. And Bathurst and Lawrence is a much more uh, uh, upscale neighborhood. Let's put it that way. So I can find weed in the first place and in the second place. Oh, you can find whatever you want in Kensington Market. (laughs) (laughs) At Lawrence and Bathurst, you'd probably have to know it. And the guy would have like a $200,000 car. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Kensington Market would be a guy in an alley. <laughs> okay, so Godfrey graduated from C.W. Jeffries Collegiate Institute, a Toronto public high school, and then attended the University of Toronto, achieving a Bachelor of Applied Science in Chemical Engineering. In 1964, he entered politics as an alderman in North York and served until 1973. So, if you don't know, an alderman is council member that is elected by the members themselves rather than by like a general election all right so the other council members are like this dude's cool (laughs) he he can be a council member too (laughs) which is weird i don't i mean it's not sure if that's really a thing anymore but yeah well be interested so Uh, he was for the city yes which city this is north york north york yeah before before, it's an amalgamation Yeah. Yeah, yeah um In 1970, North York's Board of Control appointed him to controller to fill a vacancy left by the death of former controller John Booth. And, by virtue of being a controller, he was also able to join the Metropolitan Toronto Council for the first time. Um, He was appointed to Chairman of Metropolitan Toronto following the death of Metro Chairman Albert Campbell in 1973. All right, we're getting a great lesson in civic poli- civic politics from yes. Toronto. Yes. <laughs> I just want to note that it's also questionable that he's gained both of these positions after the death of someone else. But Well, I mean, some people are just lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the right- I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying that's incriminating. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's just funny. Just in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Okay, so now this is important to note because... It is from this position that Godfrey was able to begin the process of bringing a major league team to Toronto, um, which was something he had set his mind to since hearing the news of MLB expansion to Montreal for the 1969 season when he said, quote, My desire to bring a major league baseball team to Toronto started when I woke up one day and I found out the mayor in Montreal, Mayor Drapeau, was successful in convincing major league baseball to give Montreal a team called the Expos. He continued, I decided, how come Montreal gets a baseball team and Toronto doesn't have a baseball team? As a politician, I felt I was going to set my sights on bringing a baseball team to Toronto. All right. So just like anything in Canada, it's a dick measuring contest between Toronto and Montreal. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
So Montreal gets everything, don't they? Including but, a baseball team. Well, one of the interesting. Well, they would argue that we get everything. <laughs> yeah, in Toronto. Yeah. So. Well, it, well, it's kind of that's been, kind of what I thought. It, I, it, I, well, I thought Toronto was like the big, the big dick. Well, yeah. th- that's the thing. But we but have the tower. In back in back before uh, before uh, shit went down especially with the FLQ Montreal was kind of the center of commerce in Toronto but then or in then Canada. in Canada and then once you know you know white english people didn't feel safe there then they started all moving to Toronto in the 70s and stuff and and that that kind of swung the pendulum back towards i don't know why this is like a anyway. history of toronto lesson yeah. here we're going yeah. into so godfrey made it known his top priority was to ensure that toronto would be awarded a professional baseball club on the first day he was sworn in as chair of metro toronto he even paid his own way to the mlb winter meetings in order to network and rub shoulders with big executives in baseball's front offices. Godfrey even was able to speak with Commissioner Bowie Kuhn at the meetings, a conversation that Godfrey recalls as crucial as much as it was discouraging. Quote, He put his arm around my shoulder and he said to me, Son, where are you going to play in Toronto if we give you a team? I said, You give me a team and I'll get you a stadium built. Then he said to me, Son, Let me tell you how Major League Baseball works. First, you build a stadium, and then we decide if we're going to give you a team. So, I was totally deflated and walked out of there with my tail between my legs. Yeah, well, I mean, to a certain extent, it's just like, that does make some sense. Like, they're both ridiculous just being like, just give me a team, we'll figure it out. Like, they could... could play here or there yeah i got a backyard they could just start playing there we'll figure it out later but the other guy just being like well you gotta spend a few hundred million and then just maybe we'll give you one right it it seems unreasonable on both levels Mm -hmm. yeah to to (laughs) what what if you built the stadium and they're like no we're not giving you a team but uh, that that still happens doesn't it Mm -hmm. I suppose yeah. it happens in places. It happens in hockey. I can tell you that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so at this point, the dream of Major League Baseball was pretty well dead in the cold winter waters of Lake Ontario. Godfrey alone could not do it. While he wielded the political strength and respect to influence Toronto's council into getting behind the idea, the plan still lacked the financial muscle it would need to get off the ground. Enter Don McDougall. You know Don McDougal? I've never heard of Don McDougal. JP? No? No. (laughs) McDougal was born December 15th, 1937 in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. As a young man, Don attended the University of Prince Edward Island. At the time, it was known as St. Dunstan's University, and he graduated with a bachelor's degree before moving on to attend the University of Western Ontario in London, graduating with a master's in business administration. As an astute businessman, McDougall held several key managerial positions at the Labatt's Brewing Company, rising through the ranks finally to the seat of president in 1973. Nice. Yeah. Beer executive. Yeah. Labatt was, if, I, if I'm not wrong, out of London. Labatt was, that was London, Ontario was where yes. Labatt originally formed. And it was, yes. yeah. So that, that was huge there. Yeah. And like I mentioned, 1973. So this is all kind of, Happening around the same time. Yep. Uh, when Don rose to lead the company, Labatt's was third in the pecking order of the Canadian beer market and was searching for a way to increase its visibility to beer drinkers in Canada. Quote, 
At the time, our competitors were big breweries, McDougall said. We were number three in the pecking order. We were losing market share nationally. We were losing in Ontario, and further into it, we were losing in Ontario because we were losing in Metro Toronto. We had a clear picture of what our problem was. It was to figure out how to turn the ship around in Ontario. It morphed into using sports as a vehicle for getting our name out there. Labatt's former director of creative services, Richard Walker, confirmed, quote, we were trying to counterbalance Molson's lock on hockey and come up with something that would boost community relations and a marketing tie. Yeah. So, I have a feeling I know where they're going. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is a podcast about baseball. I, I believe yeah. so. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like Molson's had the huge grip on, on, uh, yeah. on the market at that time. Everything... Every like piece of memorabilia that my parents have in their house in regard to hockey from the seventies has like a Molson export symbol on it. So, well, well not as I say, we know where this is going. As a child growing up in Toronto, the saying "You're watching Molson Canadian Leafs hockey" or "You're watching Labatt's Blue Jays baseball" is just ingrained in me. Like I was drinking beer like metaphorically since like eight <laughs> yeah. years old, being primed for it. <laughs> Yeah, they just, they, yeah, they did it. Uh, McDougall expanded, quote, We had done that very well in Manitoba with Labatt Pilsner and became associated with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You heard of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, JP? My favorite. Your favorite Canadian football team? <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of them. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. No. Uh, the nickname became so popular that we changed the name of the brand to Blue. We were looking for a vehicle in Toronto to do for us what the Blue, Mom Blue Bombers did for us in Winnipeg. So I didn't know that before I started reading this that it was originally always called Labatt Pilsner, but. They changed it because of the Blue Bombers. Yeah. And I'm guessing blue. now we're going to hear, like, the, I had no idea that this is probably led into why the Blue Jays are the Blue Jays. Well, I think that's probably related. That's not, I don't cover that, but. But no, but uh, that, that makes sense <laughs> now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that makes, like, you know. Well, that was always rumored. I've always heard that rumor when you talk to older Blue Jays fans that. You know, they, they were named because of the company. I don't think it was directly named because of the company, but it probably definitely had some ties to it. For definitely. Sure. All right, cool. Awesome. Um, McDougal and Labatt's were convinced that by hitching their wagon to a professional baseball team in Toronto, they could elevate their brand across the country and perhaps the world, and they jumped at their chance. However, they were unable to land the team themselves, so McDougal and Labatt's started looking for partners and turned to CIBC and Howard Webster. The coalition formed, knew that despite their financial strength, they lacked political influence to acquire a team, and they looked for even more partners. Herb Soloway was told to contact Godfrey on behalf of the Labats and their coalition with Webster and the CIBC in the hopes of banding together to strike a deal which would bring a Major League Baseball club back to Toronto. McDougall recalled the beginnings of their involvement with Godfrey and Bill Davis, quote, We saw that there was a group in Toronto trying to get a baseball team. Paul Godfrey and Bill Davis had made a commission to expand Exhibition Stadium to make it conform and be home to a major league franchise. We decided what they didn't have was marketing. 
So why wouldn't we try to line up with them and be a marketing partner with them? They could own the team and we could provide the money and the muscle to do a good job of marketing the baseball team. We would be associated with helping to bring a team to Toronto and that would have a positive effect on our image and our market share. So Labatt's basically takes a step back as far as wanting control of the team because they just view having the team itself, especially as like, a, you know, probably thinking from the Anglican speaking part of Canada. Yeah. You know, they'd be able to attach their beer brand to this team that's going to be. They just want to use it as a way to west sell. of Toronto. They yeah. want to use it as a way to sell their image and sell beer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, Labatt's involvement had some stipulations, which was set by the board of directors that Labatt's couldn't own more than 50% share of the team, and they had to agree to sell their stake within five years. And I guess also part of the deal was that, I assume it's a deal that the team owners agreed that the advertising price would never go up for Labatt's for 20 years. That's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. That's a- yeah, 20 years is a long time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it, you know, that's a good pot sweetener, but the whole point is that it, this deal illustrates that Labatt, Labatt's was more interested in the advertising vehicle than owning the team and having their profits. All right. So this is <laughs> this story. I'm like waiting for JP's <laughs> fandom to get tied into this because this is a very, uh, very Toronto-esque. Uh, well, I was a big fan of the uh, Labatt Blue commercials with the cute bear. Yeah. Did you, did you guys have those up there? I, I, I yeah. don't. Did we? I, I feel like those were Canadian. That was probably targeted. It, it was probably targeted at us because, yeah. you know. No, like I mean, Labatt uh, is. We think everything. That's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you? What are you saying? Well, the JP? commercials were goddamn cute, man. The commercials were so cute. The bear. Oh my god, he was just a big cute bear, and he, he loved his Labatt. No. <laughs> I feel like I feel I feel like if there was anybody I could talk about this commercial with, it would be you guys. But you guys are like we're no, letting you no, down. Never seen that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll look it up once we're done. Yeah, All right. I promise. Go, go on. <laughs> look at that in the in-between. So now that a deal was made among the ownership group, Paul Godfrey's ambition now had the financial backing it needed, and the quest for a new team in Toronto could finally commence. But with nothing except the commission to renovate Exhibition Stadium to host baseball, nothing so far but waiting could be done. In December of 1975, the group, the group that dreamed of bringing baseball back to the shores of Lake Ontario finally got that faithful call. San Francisco had become a viable option for relocation, and a New York lawyer named Jim Hunt had just made the call to the Toronto-based consortium to present an opportunity to purchase the struggling National League Giants. Ah, oh, I get it now. Enter JP's fandom. There we go. Some of it, anyway. (laughs) Uh, Quote, he said to me, I understand you're looking to buy a major league team. I represent the San Francisco Giants and the owner of the team, Horace Stoneham. How about you guys come down to see me in New York and we can talk about the sale, Godfrey recalled. Now, throughout the early to mid-70s, the World Series trophy took up residence in California's Bay Area for three straight seasons, all of them across the bridge from San Francisco in Oakland, however. The Giants were an afterthought compared to the Mighty A's, 
and the fans didn't turn out to Candlestick Park. San Francisco had the lowest attendance in the league from 1974 to 1976. The Giants never finished better than third of six in the division those years, and after a few consecutive losing seasons, a move seemed imminent. An investment of $18 million was put forth to retrofit Exhibition Stadium as part of the plan to woo the MLB owners to allow the Giants to move north of the border. Now that the infrastructure was in place, Godfrey spearheaded the campaign by his investors with hopes of finally attracting a team, despite the league's reluctance to uproot the historic franchise and bring it north. Holy shit. Imagine if the Giants moved to Toronto. That would have... uh... What year was this? 1975. 75. Holy shit. Late 75. So it would have been for 76, 77. Yeah. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. But like I say, the league was reluctant to want to bring such a historic franchise north. And they just like shocked the world by moving to California less than 20 years before that. So yeah, well, it's amazing at this time how many teams like moved around like that, especially like during the expansion era. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about expansion in a minute. All right, keep going. Let's go. Um, MLB relented and eventually agreed to move the Giants to Toronto. Major That's League Baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Major League Baseball in Toronto was one step closer to reality. Now, this had all been happening behind the scenes, but on January 9th, 1976, the Toronto Giants were ready to be unveiled to the public. Holy shit. Yes. Quote. We all gathered in Paul Godfrey's office. We all told the press, and then the board approved the sale of the team to Labatt's, subject to approval of the team by major league owners. So we made the announcement January 9th on TV. We had the logos and everything with the Toronto Giants, McDougal said. Uh-huh. So I wonder if we could find this like TV broadcast somewhere. Oh, I was just gonna ask, like, what is the, like? Uh, did they keep the same? Did they keep like the same colorway kind of thing? Yeah. Well, the like, I, the yeah, did they rebrand completely? The, like a couple of the articles that I had read showed it like being rebranded as Toronto, but still keeping the same color scheme. But I okay some of the other stuff I found looked like it had been changed i'm not sure if that was like from a different toronto giants from a different sport but it looked to me like they were going to change the colors to gray green and blue what ew yeah that's terrible (laughs) yeah that sounds like the the diamondbacks colors right oh (laughs) gray green and blue yeah i'm like i literally just typed this into yeah there is no no not diamondbacks Okay. All right. I so, meant the Rays, not the Diamondbacks. Oh, not yeah, the yeah, Rays. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, the early Diamondbacks were kind of like that, but with some purple. Well, they, they have that, like, w- the right. more teal. Now we're just going to get into which, who has the worst. Like, I kind of yeah. like the Diamondbacks. Like, I, <laughs> oh, I like the original. Well, okay, wait, too. the Rays hats, though. The Rays hats and the ALCS. Did you guys see that last night? They had, like, the actual no. like, manta ray mm-hmm. on the hat I kind with, like, the, the green highlighter, like, edges. Like I kind of like that. They cool. Look sharp. Look they, sharp. They, they looked all right. People were people were bashing it, but you know. Okay, back all to right. the Giants. All right. The first hurdle had been cleared, but it wasn't the last. Is there going to be a moment where we can talk about the Rays after the show? Can we, <laughs> will there sure. be time to talk about the Rays? Yeah, sure. yeah, for okay. sure. We definitely got to get it in this episode because sure. next episode might they might be done. <laughs> okay. Okay. The all first right. hurdle had been cleared, but it wasn't the last, and certainly not the biggest. 
That would prove to be newly elected San Francisco Mayor George Moscone. Is that a famous name in San Francisco, JP? Fairly. All right. Okay. Moscone was elected the day before the Giants were sold to the group led by Labatt's, CIBC, and the Globe and Mail. Staunchly committed as Godfrey was in getting baseball back to Toronto, Moscone was equally determined to keep the Giants in San Francisco. Quote, We announced it. The Giants were going to move to Toronto, and all hell broke loose in San Francisco, Godfrey said. I got calls from the mayor of San Francisco, George Moscone, and he says to me, Mr. Chairman, I know you want to take my baseball team away, but you know, I can't let you do that without a fight. <laughs> so Paul Godfrey got on a plane to yeah. go fight him. <laughs> <laughs> got his boxing gloves. Okay, so Moscone's influence on the courts made for the allowance of a temporary injunction to halt the sale of the Giants to the Toronto-based group. So he's got a restraining order against the sale. With the time bought by the injunction served, San Franciscan businessman Bob Lurie was able to raise enough money to purchase the team, play the hero role, and save the Giants from relocation. So this guy just like came in and was just like, no, I'm local and I have money, so you have to sell it to me? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. The league approved it. Lurie was able to buy the Giants for $8 million and kept them in the Bay Area despite the offer of $13.5 million that was offered by the Canadian magnates. Well, that was in Canadian money. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably true. I know it was. It was that's probably the argument made. Well, fuck it. No, I, that, that's ridiculous. Though. I mean, I'm sure the league was probably much happier keeping it in the same... You yeah, know, like I said. They the were, logistics they were, of moving a whole team is, is much easier if you can just keep them. But. Yeah, they were against the idea to begin with. So, But they agreed but they to sell it. But they lost $5 million. Yeah, well, either way. Anyway, quote, It was probably the biggest disappointment of my political life, Godfrey said. It's like you're there to catch the ball at the end of the game. It's an easy pop-up and you drop it. It was a major disappointment. The hope of scoring a National League team had all but vanished. It was a disheartening loss for Godfrey, McDougal, and the company. Oh, I like that Paul Godfrey said biggest disappointment in his political life. Like, when did he say that? Because there's been disappointments since this. Well, this would have been... <laughs> Didn't uh, he, he, he works with the conservative party up here and runs a conservative <laughs> newspaper. So there, there's been some shitty shit, Paul. Well, this was not your biggest embarrassment. <laughs> this was 1975, though. He was just getting started. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But as they say, good things come to those who wait and hard work pays off. The consortium of would-be franchise owners wouldn't have to wait long because the MLB was in the midst of a lawsuit that they were not keen on fighting. This was an era of vast expansion in Major League Baseball, which was spurred by the owners' discussions at the 1967 winter meetings. The owners hoped to expand by four teams by 1971, which would be the first expansion since 1962. The National League agreed to add the Padres in San Diego and Les Expos in Montreal rather easily, but the expansion in the American League was more controversial, and Toronto fans should be grateful that it was because thanks to Charles Finley's renegade way of carrying himself, the road was consequently paved for baseball to finally come back to the big smoke. Big smoke. Toronto. Toronto. Toronto is the big smoke. Toronto's the big smoke. How did Charles Finley get that? How did Charles Finley pave the way? Yeah. 
Do you want to find out? Yes. Well, Charles Finley <laughs> paved the way indirectly for us, but right now he paved the way for JP, my friend, uh-huh. to get the Oakland A's. You see, before the start of the 1968 season, the American League board uh-huh. approved Finley's request to relocate his Kansas City Athletics to Oakland in uh-huh. the Bay Area of California. This approval left Stuart Symington, an influential U.S. senator from Missouri, absolutely furious. So, but wait, so Finley moves the team, and the team does well, and then everyone's like, fuck the Giants, and then the Giants almost come to Toronto, but then they don't, but then Toronto gets an expansion team. Sort of. All right. But not really. (laughs) Sort of. Continue. Missouri senator, mad. So, yeah, so, yeah. Here we are. Finley moves the team to Oakland. The American League approves that. Makes the Missouri senator mad. Yeah. So um, the A's owner had just signed a deal to continue playing at Kansas City Municipal Stadium. And in Jackson County, Missouri, council had already approved public money to build a major league stadium and now had no team. So that's why the senator's pissed. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. As a result, Symington threatened passage of legislation he had drawn up, which would negate baseball's antitrust exemption in Missouri if Kansas City did not get a new team. So if you don't know what that means, uh, in 1922, there was a a lawsuit where the Supreme Court ruled that the American and National Leagues could no longer be held legally liable for monopolizing the baseball industry. Yes. Which is... Crazy that they made that a law, but anyway, it was a law. So this senator is being like, hey, man, if you don't fucking give me another team in Kansas City, I'm going to pass this legislation that no longer makes you exempt from that in Missouri. And and the Cardinals are in Missouri as well, so that would fuck the Cardinals over, who is a team as well. Yes. Wow. And actually, now that I think about it, it's possibly that he was trying to get it passed throughout the whole country so that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, this is just a starting point. And so he's just, he's just kicking dust and, and making threats. Yes. Yeah. So um, the leagues came to an agreement and expansion was fast-tracked in 1969 with a new team in Kansas City that was awarded to the highest bidder, Ewing Kaufman. The other AL expansion team was the short-tenored Seattle Pilots. Ah, The expansion Royals in Kansas City were fairly popular, but at the end of the 69 season, the Pilots were struggling to stay afloat and also had their backs against the wall because public money had already been allocated for their new stadium. It was clear that without new ownership, the Pilots wouldn't even survive long enough to make it to their new home. So there's a lot of moving around going on. That's here. what I mean. The 70s was fucking crazy. Or 60s and 70s were, were crazy for teams relocating and, and, right. and expansion and stuff. So, Right. So we got the two teams in the NL, which are San Diego and Montreal. Yeah. And then the American League teams, because of lawsuits and shit, ended up, or threatens of lawsuits. The Royals. The Royals in Kansas City. Yep. And the Seattle Pilots. Okay. And remember that Ewing Kaufman bought the Royals. Correct comes into play all right here we go so in the off season pilots chairman dewey soriano secretly met with bud selig who at the time was a former minority owner of the milwaukee braves and was attempting to bring baseball back to milwaukee they met in secret over the course of a month and then on the day of the world series beginning 
Selig agreed to purchase the pilots for $10.8 million and relocate them to Milwaukee. So, uh, unfortunately, the other owners on the pilots' board of directors declined the sale after facing pressure from Washington State's two senators, Warren Magnuson and Henry M. Scoop Jackson. Scoop. Scoop Jackson. Good old Scoopy. As well as State Attorney General Slade Gordon. Scoop and Slade. Scoop and Slade. In January 1970, Weston Hotel's head, Eddie Carlson, and a nonprofit group he had organized attempted to buy the team, but the Major League Baseball owners rejected the idea almost out of hand because it would have devalued the other clubs. So they rather have this struggling team hope that someone who's a nonprofit won't buy it because I guess... They figured that that'll bring down the value of the rest of their teams. Okay. Uh, so then a slightly modified deal came into play, but it was uh, one vote short of approval. So now the pilots are at spring training in 1970. They've got a new manager, Davey Bristol, and they're not sure where they're going to play this season. That's a fucked up situation. <laughs> yes. Uh, there was a temporary deal for the sale to Sea League in Milwaukee. But the state of Washington, on March 16th, got an injunction to halt that sale. <laughs> so same situation as... Uh, as what happened. Yeah, uh, as, nobody can just buy a freaking yeah. baseball team at this time without yeah. some senator screwing with them. Yeah. Now, but this... Remember, this is five years before the Toronto thing. Okay, yeah. Um, okay, so PNSI, which is the Seattle uh, group that owns the pilots immediately files for bankruptcy, saying they can't play the players, coaches, or the staff, the office staff, uh, if the pilots were late paying the players more than 10 days, all contracts would become void, and all players would have become free agents for the 1970 season. What a mess, yeah, dude. Yeah, that sounds just oh like... Oh, my a... God. Yeah. What a mess. So there's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of things moving <laughs> on here. So with all this in mind and considered, the pilots were then officially declared bankrupt six days before opening day by federal bankruptcy referee Sidney Violin. This cleared the way for the pilots to be sold and moved to the city of Suds. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. There we go. Selig had his team again. The story goes that the team's equipment was sitting in Utah, not knowing which home city it was bound for. Why the fuck did it go to Utah? I guess, well, <laughs> I imagine maybe they were doing uh, spring training in Arizona. Yeah, so it was like the so halfway point. Kind of they were just yeah. like, oh, drive it to Seattle. And just yeah. like, hey, Frank, we're going to need to take a hard right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just stay put for a couple of days. There's some stuff going on. You might not get paid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might have to sell the van, too. <laughs> Do you have a sign? Sea uh, League had originally planned to change the team colors to red and navy to honor the old brewers of his childhood but with no time to make the change before the start of the season the new milwaukee brewers ended up with the same colors as the old pilots so that's how the or the brewers ended up navy and uh 
don't or know. not navy. Yellow. Blue, yeah, I got yeah. my my brewer's navy hat. I'm like pointing at my brewer's hat, which is up there, but like JP can't even see it, and nobody listening to this yeah. can see no. it. So, so I own a brewer's hat, everybody. <laughs> is is it the can you paint a picture? Is it the brewer's hat oh, with yeah. the genius glove logo? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure it's is. it's the it's the the royal blue with the bright yellow beak. It's absolutely amazing. Possib- is that not the greatest logo in, in all baseball? It, it really like, is. That so like, Bud, Bud so, Seeley it tells, it, t- it tells you everything you need to know about what you're looking at, like MB <laughs> baseball. Yep. And but and Bud Seeley, Bud Seeley wanted to ruin that back in. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> so now fast forward six years back to 1976. All right. The city of Seattle was in process of suing Major League Baseball for breach of contract, with the end result being the relocation of the Pilots. So, Major League Baseball ultimately decided to settle out of, a, out of court and awarded Seattle an expansion franchise to avoid the red tape of a legal battle. And the Amer- and th- but this left the American League with an uneven number of teams. So... The decision was made that there would be two expansion franchises for the 1977 American League season, one in Seattle, oddly enough in a slightly similar fashion to how the Royals ended up in Kansas City, and again, thankfully they did end up in Kansas City, and thankfully they were bought by the perfect man to place the final piece of the puzzle to Paul Godfrey's dream to bring Major League Baseball back to the shores of Lake Ontario in the beautiful city of Toronto. Ewing Kaufman had been one of the owners Godfrey had become close with in his schmoozing over the years at the winter meetings. Kaufman was a pharmaceutical entrepreneur, and in the early 60s, he went to a medical convention in Miami, Florida, where he met Muriel Irene McBrien, who happened to be vacationing at the same hotel that the convention was being held. The two began a courtship and were married in 1962. Muriel was born in Toronto and uh, visited her home frequently with her husband, so Godfrey really had Kaufman in his corner. So yeah, he was just able to buddy-buddy with this guy and hang out with him in Toronto too. Yeah, and he, but it Godfrey by this research was not aware that his wife was from Toronto. It just, uh, okay. you know, he just became buddy, buddy with Kaufman. And then Kaufman called him up saying, Hey, we're expanding in Seattle and said, uh, quote, do you really care if you're going to be in the American league or the national league? Don't brood over that. You're going to find out that the city of Seattle has to be happy. Godfrey said, how come you're so interested in Toronto? Kaufman replied, look, I married a lady from Toronto, and she wants Toronto to have a team. That's why I'm calling you to tell you that you have a good shot at the American League. So, Toronto was finally awarded its expansion franchise after months of correspondence with the MLB Commissioner's Office, with a purchase financed heavily by the Labatt Brewing Company. Quote, For me, it was a dream come true. I always take the position that if you want to be in politics... You should leave a legacy that people remember you for. If people want to remember me for bringing baseball to Toronto, I'm happy with that. 
He's probably not remembered for that. Yeah, now, I was going to say he's going to be remembered as a miserable conservative prick, but uh, <laughs> a rich one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he got the Blue Jays back here, so a snowy April day in 1977. Yeah, yeah. He, he did a he, he he was very well known for a long time uh, as as one of the guys that that made the Blue Jays happen. That's a hundred percent. He was president of the team in the early 2000s too, right? Yeah, yeah. I he, think when Rogers took the team over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Somehow president. he came full circle but he fucked us over and wouldn't spend over over slot on the draft so we like lost out on a bunch of draft picks and stuff and <laughs> so so thanks paul yeah <laughs> you, thanks for bringing the team anyway i guess <laughs> so but but really it was like what was her name muriel kaufman yeah it, yep. it was kaufman's wife that like that was such a ridiculous like chain of events like but it you know, yeah. that's, you know, JP, you're a Mariners fan. So, you know, that's kind of how you, the Mariners ended up in Seattle and, you know, touches well, upon how the A's ended up. That's That was the chain. That was like the catalyst to all this was when Finley uprooted the A's from Kansas City and moved them to Oakland. Well, that's, a, that's fantastic. And that that's... Uh... That's a, a brilliant, uh, like, I had no idea. I'm like, okay, why are you just telling us, like, the history of the Jays? I'm like, but, like, just the just the craziness of that whole time in the major leagues where it was just, like, teams leaving but getting replaced right away and people making sales that were voided and people doing, like, it was just a Wild West kind of period for ownership. Yeah, and that and that sort of moving of teams, it just doesn't happen anymore. It's just so rare when a team moves. Like it does happen, but it's a huge undertaking. No, it's and it all... usually doesn't happen more than once in a decade. Well, who was uh, the last team to move? I can't remember. I was going to say it always seems to be like Expos. speculated. It was the Expos. It was the Expos. I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking true. of other sports more. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but like, yeah. There is, there has been, there's been a lot more movement in the NHL, but no, yeah, the Expos, Expos moved in what? 2004. 2004. So, so that would be the last time that, so it's been 16 years since an MLB team moved. And yeah. And in this like 10 year period. Well, there's been a lot of speculation about Tampa Bay possibly moving back to Montreal or whatever, but that's, you know, a lot. That's what I was going to say. There seems to be a lot more of speculation for a decade and moving a team seems to be such a big deal these days compared to yeah. what it was back then. Maybe it has to do with the fact that they're worth billions of dollars these days instead of, you know, millions, eight million dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. The well, sale that yeah. saved the Giants from moving to Toronto. I mean, well, even yeah. eight million back then would probably be a lot more oh, like no 80, doubt, 80 but, million, 100 million. But either way. But well, I'm on the a or I'm on the raise to Montreal train. But uh, we we can finish this off by by rounding out the the ALCS is on JP a Rays. I was gonna say A's. I wish it was the A's, but Rays. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, nobody wants the Astros to win, right? No, absolutely not. They're gonna. <laughs> so I mean. They're gonna win. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because. Yeah. Oh, you. Th- you th- you think the Rays are going to win or the no, Astros? No, no, I think the Astros are going to win just because 2020 sucks. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, it would be a the lot most of you. 2020 thing for the a, Astros. A lot of years. But it would almost be uh, like, how badly would Major League, if you're, if you're whoever that idiot is, Manfred, uh, if you're Manfred, you would. Uh, you would definitely want a, a Dodgers Astros repeat in the World Series versus the lowly um, Rays, even though the Rays are amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You want that great um, 
Yeah, well, what's the other choice? Uh, Atlanta? Atlanta? It's Atlanta and L.A. And L- yeah, uh, yeah. well, every, yeah, just like what you said, everyone wants the rematch because uh, we need that sweet justice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a Dodgers fan, but, like, God damn, I'd love to see the Dodgers just fucking rake the 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 astros so bad oh it would be it would be i'm kind of on the dodgers train like i'm definitely cheering for the rays over the astros but i'm on the dodgers train Mm -hmm. just because i feel like they should win a world series then like fuck off (laughs) (laughs) and fuck off well they've been in the world series what like two or three out of the last four years whatever like they they've and they've had a great team division winners for yeah they 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 deserve it but i also just want them to go away after they win yeah let's watch the padres for a bit yeah 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 um, yeah 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 that's all i got yeah <laughs> well we i think we're i think we're done here i think we're done yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> follow us on twitter at uh doing baseball uh check us out on instagram at doing dot baseball jp where can people find you uh, you can find me on uh, instagram at jp underscore srb you can also check out uh, you can check out the morning after on Instagram too at the morning after TV. I yes. think that's what it is. That's, <laughs> what, it is. that's what it is. Please check out at the morning yeah. after TV because it's a it's a great show with stories from the road and it's a lot of fun. You guys are really funny and uh, yeah, it's it's fun to like I say I don't catch it live on Friday most of the times, but I I like having my morning after on Saturday morning with my coffee with you guys. So. Nice. I, well, I appreciate that very much. Uh, once again, I'd love to have you guys on as doing baseball and Sean as well. I'd love to have you on just to hear you talk about all, all your rock stories, man. I know you've been <laughs> around the country, uh, both countries, uh, you know, and uh, I know you've seen a lot and you've taken a lot of pictures and you got to, I mean, you just had a book. How's that book doing? That book's doing good. I'm almost sold out. So uh, I'm very okay, happy. Good. Very, it doesn't look like there'll be a right. second print for a while, though. But yeah, I'm very happy. Um, but yeah, okay. I would love to <laughs> love to do that in both capacities. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. And let me just tell you, I get the next story. And we talked a little bit about it in this episode. Oh, Ooh. shit. What? <laughs> Wait. Oh, a hint? A hint. You just drop a hint? Dropped a hint. Um, <laughs> JP, hopefully, uh, yeah, you're, you're tuning in with us for another episode. So, so uh, tune in in two weeks. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Give us a review. Give us a rating. I'm Sean. And I'm Ed. And we were doing some baseball. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.